The problem is that conflict has gotten a bad rap. Like we, we just don't know how to do it and we avoid it. And that's why we go to war. A good fight doesn't mean that we're going to be nicey-nice about it. Sometimes we're going to scream and shout. Conflict doesn't always look nice, but doing a conflict well means that you do it in a way that we're willing to stay throughout the process. Welcome to Politicology. I'm Ron Steslow. So I've been traveling over the last few weeks, and I had the opportunity to catch up with a good friend of mine. His name is Jonathan Karen. And he does work in something called deep democracy, which is a practice that emphasizes the wisdom of minorities. Jonathan is a deep democracy facilitator and instructor, and he works very closely with Myrna Lewis, who founded the Lewis Deep Democracy Method, developed during the transition from apartheid to democracy in South Africa. Jonathan is also the head coach and co-founder of House of Deep Democracy, where he trains others to have deep democracy conversations. I wanted to bring you this conversation because I think you will find it provocative. And it's pretty wide-ranging, so we split it into two parts, and this is part two. Let's stick with the pro-life, pro-choice issue for a moment. Can you talk about how this asking the minority what they need to come along model Mm -hmm. works in practice? What is what what would what would a deep democracy approach to that problem look like? Well, I find it hard to say how what it would look like because I. I'm trying to think if I've ever been privy to that conversation. I haven't ever facilitated a pro-life, pro-choice debate. Yeah. Maybe yeah. something that's easier so to I, access. The thing is, I don't want to guess. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. when you ask a minority, what do you need to come along? Let's say we have a majority for um, keeping abortion legal. Asking a minority um, what they need to come along, you never know what's 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 yeah, there yeah and the yeah. reason is that you know of course i'm i'm my preference is pro i'm pro-choice mm-hmm. ultimately if i if i have the choice yeah. you know if i'm the person that gets to decide, decide how right. we run this thing yeah yeah i'll say give people a choice but let's take one that take an issue that you are maybe you have you're very familiar with and you can um give people a window into how it looks when you Ask a minority to come along. I'm going to uh, yeah. some real example. Well, maybe we can take something much, much more simple. Sure. Just something just so that you get a feel for it. Asking what do you need to come along could even be like, I use this in my courses a lot. Like we just imagine we have a small company and we have, we have some, we've had great revenue last year. And now we need to decide what to do. So there's a few steps that you take during this decision-making process that already allow more minority views to come out. You actually actively search for them. You you watch for consensus mechanisms. So when lots of people are expressing the same opinion, you start looking for that other view. You say, hold on, are there people that want something else? When they when they do stand up and say what they want, you you don't you try to not leave them alone. You try you try to spread their opinions see if there are other people that maybe have a little bit of that as well. So there's different things that you do during a decision-making process. But ultimately, when it comes to a vote in deep democracy, we always vote by raising the hand so that you can't guess. You're not, mm. you're not guessing who wants what. <clears throat> so you vote, and then you have your minority view. Now let's say we have this extra money in our small company, and we've, we have a majority that wants to move to you know, a new office. Mm-hmm. But we had one person who wanted to invest in cryptos and we had one person who wanted to renovate. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> what we do in deep democracy is we, we go to each minority member. And by the way, um, we don't just ask the question, what do you need to come along? We usually also acknowledge that it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So you will oftentimes hear, oftentimes hear deep democracy facilitators say something like, well, I'm sorry you lost the vote. We have a majority for moving, and I know it's hard. You really wanted to stay here and renovate. What would you need to come along? What would help you stay on board? 
now a minority a member could say well i i um feel like i'm worried about the work pressure i'm worried about the ro- workload if we move i will burn out so w- what i need is that we lower the workload temporarily so i can survive this and um and the second person might say well I um I'm worried about having to travel a lot. So if we can find an office in the same area then I'll be okay. And now you can already see that those minority views usually serve the whole collective, mm. not just the minority. They serve everybody because here's the thing. The beautiful nature of minority views is or let's say people that are in a minority view mm. is that they have a perspective that we tend to overlook and that will be relevant for all of us for example mental health mm-hmm. you know someone who's on the verge of a burnout is very much in touch with the need for you know, taking care of ourselves mentally as well as physically and we as healthy hard workers might not be aware of that but the reality is that we're all prone to burnout you know it can happen to any one of us if we don't actually if we're not mindful of it so this one person because of the fact that they're in this vulnerable position they will have a real sense of what it means to be on the verge of burnout they will have a, a like a visceral experience of yeah. it and they'll be able to inform us in a way that we you know about that experience in ways that we you know we can't really see that very well because they're closer to it they're closer to it which goes for any minority you know they're closer to something that we as a majority are not and so now we add the wisdom we would add the wisdom of the minority to the proposal so we'd say so we're going to move but we're going to lower the workload for who that for whoever that's necessary in the coming period and we're going to aim at finding something that is in the same area and and then we bring it to a vote and we take it to a vote again who agrees so now you can see how it's not that you overrule the majority you can't add something that right you know goes against the majority it, if the minority the, the person in the minority says well i i, I want to not move that's not going to happen because yeah. majority has that's been decided yeah. yeah but you will start adding and you will you will add more perspectives and more v- wisdom into the um into the decision and and obviously sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't and you need to have a good fight first so yeah. that's why deep democracy also has tools for surfacing emotion tools for doing conflict resolution because when you do start making real deep democratic decisions the the tensions surface very quickly yeah. because you will ask someone what do you need to go to come along and they'll go yeah hell no yeah. i'm not going yeah. along yeah. Yeah. you know you can go f yourself yeah. and and um and then we have tools to first look at that what are we identified with what part of ourselves are we suppressing yeah and once we start seeing that and there's more compassion in the, in in the room then we get back to these questions like what do you need to come along this reminds me of uh i think the first time we met i was just coming to amsterdam from well it's difficult to describe what the event was but anyway <laughs> i i was seeing a uh um Northern Irish philosopher named Peter Rollins. And there's one thing that he said, I think at that time that stuck with me, which was uh, when you think about war, people tend to think about war as conflict. But actually he says, war is the inability to have conflict. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I thought that's that was so beautiful. So well put. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. That's like, it's, it's, and by the way, Myrna Lewis, the founder of Lewis Deep Democracy, which yeah. is the, 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 democracy the deep democracy that i learned um she says the problem is that conflict has gotten a bad rap like yeah. we, we just don't know how to do it We're and we avoid it and that's why we go to war but you know knowing how to have a good fight man that's like that's the shit emphasis um, on the good yeah part yeah yeah but you know the thing is and and i think that's where we get confused a lot a good fight doesn't mean that we're going to be nicey nice about it. Right. Sometimes we're going to scream and shout. Yeah. I mean, if if we can find different ways to do that, 
That's great. Yeah. I'm, I, it's not that I love shouting at people. And by the way, I'm not even that good at it. <laughs> I tend to repress that part of myself because then you'll run away. You won't love me and I'll be reminded of my unlovable, you know, all of that. So it's, it's, it's but, but just to say that conflict doesn't always look nice, but doing a conflict, conflict well means that you do it in a way that we're willing to stay mm-hmm. throughout the process. Stay in it. Stay in it. Yeah. Stay with each other. Yeah. That we commit to being in a relationship with each other, whether it be a work relationship or a love relationship. Or it a could political be any, relationship. Or a political relationship. Yeah, yeah any, any type of relationship. Yeah. It could be with your neighbor. Yeah. But um, that we're committed to staying in the relationship that we look at, you know, what do we need to have this conversation in a way that we don't that the the that we don't feel so unsafe that we go into overwhelm or disconnect or that kind of stuff. So in a way, it, it is creating a context in which we can really say what needs to be said, if, where we can really hear each other. And that's not always, you know, it's not it's not about being nice to each other. It's about being real with each other, which is a very difficult thing for many humans, including me. You know, that's my my big my big learning. The, the, and the reason that I started doing deep democracy, which I only understood later, but yeah, 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 because yeah. of my inability to just be really honest. Yeah. And I'm still learning and I'm noticing how much inhibition there is just because of there's Don't this think. shame yeah. and, and, the, and the fear. And well, shame is really the glue that holds all of it together. Yeah. And we're in Amsterdam. You should come to America. <laughs> <laughs> oh, joy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You mentioned um, uh, earlier, before we started recording, the Israel-Palestine, you were doing some work there. Mm. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, um, I was invited by this incredible organization called Encompass. I hope I can do the story justice, but but in short, um, there was a big attack in on Bali, like 10, 15 years ago, something like that. Um. The father of a Bali, Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. The father of a boy who died in the attack decided after the event that he wanted to um, he wanted to do something to bring people together. He wanted to somehow counter what was going on. So he started doing that. He started bringing people together from different places, and I think early on they brought people from Indonesia and Israel and Palestine and all over the world also um i think what's still the the part of the project that's been going very strong is the israel palestine part and it's a yearly or maybe even i i i think they're going to even now get together more often uh, it's it's an event where they invite young palestinians and young israelis to come to um cyprus for a week mm-hmm. And spend time together, and these are young people. You know, they're that's a very di- they're very diverse groups, but they're also people that are politically involved. They're like, you know, um, um, people that are studying international relations or uh, political sciences or stuff like that. And they find uh, the unusual thing of uh, Encompass is that they find people that are at the edges of the spectrum. Of the uh, of the polarization, so mm. where oftentimes in dialogue initiatives you will get the people that aren't so radicalized that are kind of in the center of the of the polarization people who already want to come together. Yes, yeah. by the way, which I don't think is a bad thing. <laughs> no. I, you can do a lot of great work yeah. because even within those groups you will still find the, the the conflict, and oftentimes that's also where the conflict is kind of pushed away a bit because you know. But we're the people that do want to connect with each other, and then. And so there's a lot of potential in working with that yeah. more uh, that kind of middle of the polarity. But the unusual thing of this project is that they they have curators on each end. So they have a um, an Israeli curator and a Palestinian curator. They're they're like the project leaders, mm-hmm. and they find participants through their networks, which means that they find um, people that come from the settlements. They find Palestinians who've lost all of their land and and sometimes their family um, 
to the Israeli mm-hmm. government and to the Israeli um, soldiers. And they they put these people together for a week. And so I had this incredible, got this incredible invitation to come and work with them for a few days. In Cyprus. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that was an incredible thing to do. And I, what we did was I, I actually taught them, I showed them the, the method. I, I showed them the steps of deep democracy, how to do decision-making, how to do conflict resolution. And we obviously did conflict resolution as well, which was very emotional and, and was hard for the group. But we really saw how after we had a couple of good fights, real connections started happening. And, you know, it's hard because in the meantime, it's getting hotter in Israel. And, well, you know, in the last few months, um, the conflict has really escalated again. But to me, what was very visible, this thing that we talk about in deep democracy a lot, about why, why conflict is so important, and that growth and growth as a person, but also in your relationship happens through conflict. We could really see that happening. And when I came, when I, the one striking thing was that when I came, it felt like the group was being very polite mm. with each other. They were being very friendly, mm. but there was a lot of tension, which was the reason they were being friendly because it was tricky. You know, you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to light the, yeah. <laughs> light the fire. You don't yeah. want to risk the explosion. The, yeah, yeah. You don't want to risk the explosion. Exactly. So, so it was very hard to, to, to make actual connections through just having these um, shared experiences, which, which is a beautiful part of the prog- program and it's very important. Mm-hmm. But you could really see how having a conflict helps because once they'd gone through con- a couple of conflicts, they started having real connection with each other and they were less polite, mm. which made them more real with each other. Mm. It was a very incredible experience. You know, I mean, I think, well, we'll see them again. Yeah. They will come back. This is ongoing work. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the fight is important. The fight itself opens yeah. up the opportunity for more. Yeah, I mean, there are other ways of resolving issues. Yeah. You don't have to have a fight. Yeah. But, but, but over the really intense issues, the emotional buildup is already there. What are you going to do with it? I mean, I, yeah, I think what it needs, what, what emotion needs is just to be expressed. Yeah. And there are ways to do that without the other. You know, deep democracy is really a way to <clears throat> go through this process together. After doing deep democracy for several years, I started getting interested in how to do this by myself because I don't, I'm not always, I can't always ha- have, have a fight the with other, the other person. Right. Yeah, yeah, they don't always want yeah. to, by the way. Right. For example, my partners, most of my partners, you know, wouldn't go near this thing with a <laughs> ten-foot pole. How do you say it in English? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, I mean, they appreciated the work, but they, you know, they were like, "Not in my relationship. You're not going to do your work shit here between us." So uh, that's one of the the examples. But obviously, also, what's happening in the world? I can't have a fight with the Israeli government. I can't have a fight with all these people, and I was definitely not willing to keep on suffering just because I couldn't have the fight with the other person. So I started digging into ways of having, being able to, to express feeling on my own, but also being able to do that exploration of my internal world with myself, which is, you know, different ways of doing this. It's often called self-inquiry and it's a meditative process. And, and so I, I learned that I don't necessarily le- need the other person to resolve an issue. I've, I started saying um, it takes one to tango, mm. which is what I learned after doing lots of conflict with other people. I started learning that I don't really need them because the fight that I'm having is always the fight with myself and you're just playing out the role for me. And so there's other ways of doing that. But yeah, I think the most accessible route for us is is in relationship because you know a relationship pervades everything 
everything is about relationship. The relationship with ourselves, the relationship with the world, the relationship with other people. We're constantly navigating relationships. So in a way that's like, um, I think it's a more accessible route to have a look at your own stuff, your own your own um, belief system and your own internal world. <clears throat> but it's not a necessity. You yeah. can go both. You can do it can do either it. way. Yeah. I want to talk for a few minutes. Actually, I want you to talk for a few minutes about... <laughs> for a change. <laughs> <laughs> about the, we'll call it polarization, but the extreme polarization, particularly in the U.S., but it's not a U.S. phenomenon. It's happening everywhere. Um, but at the, at the farther edges of the political spectrum, I refer to it as illib- illiberalism, which, which is, I think this backlash against pluralism, the idea that diversity, not just of identities, but of viewpoints is, uh, essential, not just okay to have, but essential to a healthy society, let alone democracy. Um, and it's increasing. And it's both on the right and on the left. And it takes different forms uh, on either side. And I wonder what you make of that and whether there's um, hope for alleviating it or if we just are headed toward a big fight that has to happen first. Yeah. Well, who knows? You know, I don't know if we're headed for a fight or not. It, we could, and could be that we find other ways to resolve this. I mean, it's no different. Polarization is no different than what we talked about earlier. I mean, it's just conflict. IU. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. It's IU. It's, um, we dig in. If we don't look inwards, we just dig in. And... Uh, is that how you say it in English? Yeah. yeah can you trenches? Yeah. You dig yourself. Your it's thing, funny into you're your asking trench. me about how you say things in English because your English is perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, like I guess none it's, of the, 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 the idioms or something. There's some level of yeah. I think it's the idioms. Sometimes I'm a little unsure just yeah. because no, I, you dig in. You I'm dig not, in your heels. I'm not really native in English. Yeah. I'm near native, but yeah. I, I accidentally learned the language. <laughs> um, yeah. So you you dig in you 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 dig into your trench and 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 yeah. It's just defense. It's just defense in order not to lose identity. And if it goes for long, it seems like we find more, maybe more radical ways of managing that. You know, that extreme polarization, to me, what it looks like is it looks like me. It looks like the way I am when I'm driven by internal conflict. And driven by trauma, which I, you know, I'm at risk of using that word inappropriately. And I know there's complaints that it's it's there's an inflation of the <laughs> of the meaning. But when I talk about trauma, what I mean is historical trigger. So, and those can be transgenerational; they can be personal. That usually they're both. But it seems to me like most of us are par- at least partially driven by unconscious historical triggers and you know when we think when we talk about trauma we think of these events like when you if you've experienced physical violence or sexual violence or any kind of big overwhelming event that's what we call trauma and and then what happens is we 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 internalize the event and we play, replay it over, over and over and over again. And um, we develop these ways of managing, regulating ourselves. And that's part of what trauma does. And so, you know, one of the ways of regulating ourselves is self-medicating and so it can be drugs and it can be sex and it can be but it could be netflix it could be oh do i now need to say all the other streamers <laughs> it could be a streaming platform um just binge watching yeah um it can be our phone yeah and it can be our thinking and and yeah 
it seems like part of what's happening is really we're managing our own anxiety or our own emotion by having a fight with you, with the other. So that seems to be part of it to me. And then, yeah, ultimately, ultimately fueled by I am this and you are that. And if I actually hear what you have to say, that will make what I believe to be unreliable. I mean, I can't just be this if I really hear what you have to say. I can't just be, let's put it this way, I yeah. can't be just, just pro-choice if I see that you're in real pain because of this decision. doesn't mean that I won't push for keeping that choice. But I can't be opposed to you if I see actually hear what it's doing to you you're suffering then i'll have to you know as a human being I'll, I'll have to address that the reason being that not addressing it hurts yeah. if you really start noticing what happens internally it's that when i believe i hurt you i hurt there's just no way we're around it that's the mechanism of it so really hearing the other person Identity has to shift. It can't survive that. Yeah, doesn't mean that I will change my opinion again, but it, there, something will shift in me. And you know, and that that that's a very scary thing. So then we again we do everything to defend. Can deep democracy work at a mass level, or is this something that can only be practiced? by a person or in small groups. When I think about the political problem in the United States, mm -hmm. how do you get the majority to ask what the minority needs? How do, how do you see this play out on a, on a broader scale? Can it? Well, you look, I, I don't think deep democracy is the magic wand that yeah. will fix everything. I mean, there's different ways to go about it. The deep democracy approach, I think the potential of this work is that it's methodological. So I've always been attracted to methods. I studied music, I studied voice, and I went to theater school, but I, I, start, I started at uh, the music academy. <clears throat> and I had a difficult voice. Like I was born with a, with a shitty voice. Like it's not a very <laughs> strong voice. I have, I have um, something that they call vocal fold bowing, which means that your folds, your vocal folds are a little bit, crooked and so huh. they're not so efficient and also I had like other health problems reflux that was affecting my voice so I I had a I didn't have a very strong voice and I struggled a lot yeah. and uh, my teachers couldn't really help me and they also didn't understand what was going on at the time we didn't know it was, was also a physiological thing so um, and then in my second year somebody came from London to teach us this method called Estil Voice System, or well, it's changed its name several times, but anyway. And this was a model that showed the biomechanics of the voice, hmm. what is moving, which cartilages and which musculatures are involved, and how and what's the acoustic effect. So, so that you get a real understanding of the physiology of the voice and of your own instrument. Now that changed everything for me because now. I could start fixing my own issues. I didn't need a teacher. I, I mean, it was great to have teachers, you know, to have a second pair of ears, but I understood what was going on. And when I started teaching voice, which was in that same year, by the way, I immediately started doing this. And I, I didn't just work with students on improving their voice. I taught them the method so that they could resolve their own issues and I think it was very I, th I mean I, I've stuck with that principle since mm -hmm. then um, I think that's part of why I really appreciate deep democracy because it's not just a world view it's not just a philosophy it's not just a group dynamic model it just it's really a tool set mm -hmm. and um, and by the way the way it was created was specifically 
to create, to, to make a tool set to give people the ability to resolve their own conflicts and do their own decision-making processes. The reason was that um, Greg and Myrna Lewis, the founders of this work, they were living in South Africa in the mm -hmm. early 90s during the transition from apartheid to That's democracy. Right, yeah. yeah, And they, uh, they were invited, they were asked by a manager at the utilities company of, the state, of, the, of, of South Africa who had decided that he needed to transition his department to, into a more democratic structure and particularly to remove racial hierarchy, which was embedded in the law up until then. And he had this uh, department of a, around 5,000 employees. So you can imagine, and that was one of their smaller departments. Oh, wow. So that just you know shows yeah. you the kind of scale that we're talking about. And he invited a... a a bunch of consultants and Greg and Myrna were two of them, and they were um, they were married. By the way, uh, Greg died mid nineties, but Myrna's still alive. <clears throat> and um, and they both were trained by Arnold Mendel, the the founder of the first deep democracy, who also created role theory. Mm. Myrna was a clinical psychologist by by training. Uh, Greg was also a a, a physicist and he learned architecture, so but he also studied with Mindel. Wow! And they both came to this department, and they very quickly saw that it wouldn't be very helpful to start doing interventions because the scale was just—I mean, yeah. it was not doable. Yeah. So they said, "We need to make this more methodological. We need to create, you know, structures for people to have conversation." Which I talk about tools. Basically, it just means structures yeah. for conversations which steps do you need to take yeah so they started doing this work really with this idea of teaching people how to fish rather than feeding them and and um and i think that's what i really appreciate about this work is that when i go into situations usually it's not not just about resolving the conflict or just about getting that decision made even when we in, with the Israel-Palestine group, the, the whole program was really geared towards teaching the tools so that they could use them themselves. And, and that's where I think this can really scale. Um, because a lot of the work in Israel-Palestine can be done within the communities. You don't need to, to get Palestinians and Israelis together to resolve a lot of this conflict. You, you, can, get, you can get a lot done by having people within the Israeli community that can do conflict resolution and have people within the Palestinian mm -hmm. community that can do conflict resolution. And so I think the same goes for the states. Now, there are, I mean, there are ways of scaling this. And yeah, theoretically, I mean, absolutely, if we would run governance um, and in a way that's true to the deep democracy principles, there are structural reforms that could be made to governance. It could be made to governance, but Absolutely. sure. But setting those aside, what you're taught, what you're suggesting is that people have a tool set that they themselves can use in their yeah. daily lives. And the yeah. reason is that look, it would be great if let let's just talk about the Netherlands because yeah. I know a little bit more about the Netherlands. Yeah. But let's say that. Um, our government would now start using deep democracy structures for decision-making. That would instantly improve the situation in terms of representation. Mm. Because what happens in government is that most decisions in our lives are ruled by consensus mechanism, meaning majority rule. Yeah. And consensus mechanism also means that it's not just the principle of the majority decides, but it's also an internalized mechanism. We tend to want to belong, so we don't speak up when we have a different view. We also, oftentimes we get kind of this limited view when we're in consensus mechanism. You know, everybody's, everybody's talking about how we need to move, we need to move to a, new, to a new office, this office is terrible, and we'll even forget, you know, these other options because we're so entrenched in this way of thinking as a majority. So, from my perspective, what tends to happen at a 
at, you know, at the level of this, these decisions is that consensus mechanism starts happening. Now we're losing representation. Voices are disappearing in the decision-making process, and as they disappear, the people that are being represented, the citizens that are being represented, are suddenly not mm. part of the process anymore. And um, you know, and then there's the power of a party program, which is that feeds into this problem as well, because you know we. I don't know how this works in the states. I know there's quite a diverse. I mean, because it because it's two a two parties. party system. Yep. Yeah, you you need you have yeah. a lot of diversity. Well, I, this is a, this is a, this is a misconception. In that our listeners will get this wrong. It's not a two party system. Yeah. By design. Yeah. It's a two party system de facto mm-hmm. because we never had political parties at the beginning. Right. This is a, this is a this is an evolution. I would argue it's a it's a it's a calcification of a system that has just arisen out of. Nothing that was designed in the first place, but yeah, but yeah. we now have two parties. Yeah. Well, here that's it's different. We have more parties, but we still have the same problem because you need to adhere to the party program. So, um, but that's an issue because with the diversity within the program that's overruled by these within the party that's overruled by these programs, they are. You know they're supposed to represent mm. citizens. Mm-hmm. So the, the, that whole model that based that's based in majority thinking feeds into this issue of it's not just losing um, it's not just losing the minority in the, in the decision making phase, but it's in basically running the show all the time. Like there's certain voices that are not spoken. And then they're not included in the decision making, of course. And then you know we get we get issues with representation. So at that level, it would be amazing to say, okay, let's have a big reform, and all decisions need to made be made in deep democracy style. That could help, but it wouldn't resolve right. the issue because the issue that we're running into now is conflict. And I, I think we can't, if we want to resolve, if we want to uh, evolve our democratic model we need to think about it in terms of conflict and emotionality and again not because i think that emotionality has inherent wisdom there's a i think that's one of the one of the mistakes that may be easily made this thing that you know emotion is important it's not important in itself but it's that pointer that Mm. it is it's the flag changing Governance won't change the whole system. We need to address what's happening in terms of identity and and how identity is causing tension. And so, again, what I appreciate about this work is it's methodological. You can teach it people to people. They don't need to be psychologists to, to do this. They just they can just use the structure. And it turns out that people can learn to do this. You know, and, and even while they're in conflict, which is one of the amazing things we found. I started collaborating with Myrna Lewis in 2009 over something we've started calling Let's Talk, which is mm-hmm. we took the conflict model and translated into into how to do this in dyads. So if in first instance, it was we wanted, uh, Myrna wanted to do something for relationships, oh, for partners. Yeah. And, and um, she'd been saying this for a few years. And then according to her story, I, I one day said, well, let's do it. You know, let's, let's try this out. And we, we started testing whether we could whether we could transfer this structure, this knowledge, easily to people that aren't trained in deep, demo- deep democracy, it's it, making it even more user friendly. Yeah, and um, and we tested it with um, <laughs> my first test with was with two of my best friends. She was in my class in in music academy, and her husband was in music academy as well and we were very good friends and they were on the brink of divorce they were in a very deep conflict for many years <clears throat> and we did three sessions and i taught them the structure would is it easy to uh is it like a five three step five step is it something that listeners yeah. can uh grab onto yeah it's very simple okay. it's i mean i think it could be that in order to learn it, you need a little more. But sure. It, but the four steps of Let's Talk are very simple. The first is you gain agreement and you set ground rules. Gaining agreement means these are the 
this is the structure we're going to follow. Are we okay to go there? And setting ground rules means what do we need to feel safe enough? You decide on those together. The second step is called say it all. And the most important thing in say it all is that one party is going to start and the other is going to listen. Now, if we're having a conflict, I will start and I'll say everything I have to say to you. And I'm invited to do so um, as directly as possible, meaning not being polite. When I'm done, it's your turn. But you're not allowed to respond as long as I'm still giving my criticism. Then you go until you're done. And sometimes you need two or three rounds, but you always aim at, at being complete, at emptying your quiver. Get it all out. There. Get it all out. Yeah, yeah. Emptying your quiver. I yes, love that. Yes, yes. Um, in, in Deep Democracy, we speak of throwing your arrows, but in Let's Talk, we stopped doing that because we found out there was this thing we, we've, we started calling the cringe factor, <laughs> which is that if you say, we have this great tool for resolving conflict, everybody runs off screaming, like nobody yeah. wants to get right. near you. Right, right. And so we, we, in Let's Talk, we didn't use the arrow throwing because, <laughs> because people freaked out and they didn't want to work with us. But um, So we started calling it Say It All, which helped. We, we found more milder languaging. Sure. Um, so the second step is Say It All, which you do in turns, and then the third step in the third step, which is called what hit home, you have a look at, you know, many of the things that were said will not have touched you mm -hmm. so much, but one or a few of them will have hit home. You'll feel um, like a bodily, a visceral response, or you'll mm -hmm. you'll have, have felt an emotion, or maybe you wanted to defend, or you got reactive, angry, whatever. And um, and then you take those statements, and you look at what does it say about me. What insight does it give me about myself? And the instruction is, if something hit home, part of it is true for you. It's like um, we had a fight over moving or not, and I want to move, and you, you yelled at me, you're nuts. Can you see how hard, how hard I'm working here? I'm exhausted. By the way, you look exhausted, right? And so no ways that I can, and I can move, and maybe that's the thing that hit home for me. So now the question is, what does it show me about me? What part of the thing is right that was said? And what I could find is, for example, oh, wow, you know, I really want to move, but in actual fact, I do feel exhausted. And that doesn't mean I don't want to move, but I'm kind of anxious about this whole thing. So you, you gather the, the insights in this third phase, and then the fourth phase is optional. It's decide. So there you take the insights and you build a decision based on the, the personal insights. That's the structure of Let's Talk. And we tested this with these two amazing friends of mine. Shout out to you, Tom and Anat. You're still our poster child, if you're listening. <laughs> poster children, if you're listening. Very brave. Yeah, they were amazing. And, and then, then the amazing thing was that, for, it was very interesting because um, Anat and I were very close and then she met Tom during our studies. And Tom and I had, we had some friction and we had some fights as well. So what we did first was he and I did a process ah, just to see yeah. if there was something le left. Yeah. By then we weren't really having fights, but we 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 had a history. So we said let's. But you knew there could be some conflict. Yes, there, yeah. yeah. So we said let's clean this up first. So we did a let's yeah. talk between him and me. And yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, it, I really, in a way, brought us a lot closer together. And then I sat with the two of them for three sessions. Um, two of them in which we did conflict resolution, and then the third we did what we call the golden arrows, which is you use the conflict model. But you give each other positive feedback. You tell what you appreciate about the other. And you do insights around that as well. Like you take a piece of, you own up, you own to the truth of a compliment. And, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Anyways, we, we did those three sessions. And they were amazing. They, they just took this thing and they, they had conversations almost daily for a year. Like the first year, I think they had Almost every day they would do a let's talk. And they, they developed the habit of, if they felt that the tension was coming up, they would, they would say, okay, not now. Let's find a time to sit down and do a let's talk. Or you know, if they could do it immediately, they'd do it immediately. But they wouldn't just go into a yeah. back and forth, right? Not they, not out of uh, a default, you know, not 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 mindlessly anyway. Yes, yeah. yes, and particularly not going into a yeah but no but yeah but no but right, yeah but yeah. no but yeah. yeah. So. Um, they they just developed this habit of doing these let's talk conversations. There, I mean, the the way they changed their relationship transformed was incredible to watch from the outside. And I was also 
you know, lucky to be on the inside because they're like family to me. So I, we have a very, very intimate relationship. And, um, and a few years later, by the time they had their first child, you know, I, can, I remember in that period, people were, my friends, it was that phase where all of my friends were having kids or a lot of them were yeah. having kids. And I knew what it was like to walk into a household, you know, with a, with a newly born. It was like a mess. And, and babies. Yeah. yeah, lots of stuff going on. Yeah. And I walked into, <laughs> into that home and it was just this quiet, peaceful place. And uh, it was very unusual to experience with, with a new baby in the home. And the way that two of them, I mean, even the way she gave birth, the story goes that um, at some point, the, the, the doctors actually got that these two were so in tune with each other that they might as well leave the room, and they did. They were like the well, doctors. Yes, the for doctors most of the well time, the, the doctors let them do their thing <laughs> because they could see that they were they were doing so well. They left them alone a lot. They were like, "Yeah, I hope I hope I'm doing the story justice." But I just remember they it was a water birth, and they were in the pool together. And and in the beginning, they told how the 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 doctors were still kind of trying to help, but then they they just saw it. It's like these two are so in sync. So that was the feeling, and then and then later they started talking about how what it enabled them to do is that now when when emotion starts coming up they are capable of staying present with it rather than becoming reactive and going outwards to the other they turn inwards and they and they said we can i can stay and really become aware of what's going on inside of me rather than attacking outwardly so i mean this was an to me it was an ama- yeah. it was an amazing thing to to watch but also it taught us that you can learn how to do conflict whilst you're in the midst of conflict. And they were a really good example because they're, they, they were already living separately. They, were, it was a, they, were, they had big fights. And, um, and for me, it was like, it was a great thing to learn. It, it meant that not only can we facilitate conflict with this method, but as we do it, we can show people what we're doing. We can subtitle it, and they might go home taking bits and pieces of it and using it, or even using all of it, which is the model for learning this stuff. All of it is experience-based, so we never do role-playing or simulations. We just use what's in the room. We, we, we go about the dynamics the way we would, and we give subtitles as we do it. And people learn to do their own conflicts that's, that way, and they do. So in terms of your question, the question you asked 3,000 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> circling back finally, um, I think one of the ways that we can start improving democracy is by looking at the human condition methodologically. I mean, it's a bit funny, but like, you know, um, teaching ourselves how to resolve our issues. We're starting to do this now. I've been doing this amazing project in a primary school for my my own yeah. primary school where wow. I learned. I, I went back there and we we're, we set up a the they have this incredible enlightened um, school head, and she decided that they they should do this uh, for four years. The whole staff needs to be trained. And and we're in, in in the middle of that, like we're in the I think close to the third year of the project. And now this, the te- these amazing teachers are taking the work into the classroom and teaching kids how to do conflict resolution and how to make decisions where they include the minority view. And the kids are starting to ask oh, this I question, this. like, "What do you need to come along?" Oh, right? They're noticing. This. Oh, but wait, there's another view there. <sighs> so yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I tend to call myself an opti-realist. Yeah. So I think there's, in a realistic way, yeah, we can do something. Yeah. And this is one of the and ways. this is where it starts. There are a lot of people listening right now in the United States who now have a new way of thinking about conflict resolution. And if they want to follow your work, where can they find you? And are you available for trainings and <laughs> and and uh, and work in the states? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, um, I've done some work in the states, and we have now. Now we also have some really lovely and skilled um, instructors in the states. Um, they can can contact me through. I will have to translate my website in, in <laughs> we'll into link, English we'll, we'll now. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah well, yeah. I've been talking about we need to we need to have, an, have English, an English an English page as well yeah. really soon. I'll I'll see if we can get some English information okay. up there. But cool. I, you can go to our website. It's house of house of from Netherlands, and um, and you'll find there's you don't need to speak Dutch. There's a uh, in the menu. There's a contact. Great. And, and you can just contact us there. There's a phone number, and there's an, and I think there's an email form, so you can connect with us. And the, and both um, um, Tina and I, who read the emails and the, the messages, we both speak English, so you can just address us in English. There's also and, Google Translate too, if you want to translate yeah. the page. So that, that works. I've done that. Well, so. I'll put, I'll, yeah. I'll see if we can put a little English yeah. banner on the front so people can find us. And what I can do is, um, I can also connect people to the to the deep democracy practitioners in the States, in the States because yeah. I do do some work in the States, but also we have an increasing number of people that are really dedicated to yeah. doing this work. So yeah. I'm always happy to connect people if they're interested. Yeah. Jonathan, this is the, uh, tip of the iceberg of what I wanted to talk about. But I'm Ron, mindful, we have so much I'm, more to know, talk about. I'm mindful of the time though, because they're going to come kick us out of this beautiful suite that they put us in. So, um, we should say goodbye for now, yeah, and then um, maybe we can pick up more in the future because there's there, there's so much. This is a very good intro, I think, to 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 uh, you and your work. But there's a lot more I want to talk to you about. So I'm always happy to chat. And Ron, thank you so much for your this this beautiful work that you're doing. I'm, I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right, we'll talk to you later. Thank you to everyone at home and on the go for listening. If you haven't yet, we'd appreciate it if you could open up the Apple Podcasts app and give us a five-star rating and review over there. This helps us rise in the rankings so that new people can discover politicology organically. If you have questions about anything we've talked about, you can reach us, as always, at podcast at politicology.com. And even when we can't respond, we do read everything you send us, whether it's an episode idea a guest recommendation, or just a simple note about how the show has impacted you. And we love hearing from you. I'm Ron Steslow. I'll see you in the next episode.